A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists Presents Hypothetically Speaking. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and talking about episode number, what number are we at, Eddie? Eight. Oh, that's enough. Ocho in Spanish. Before we get into the usual rigmarole, how can people get a hold of us on them with our social medias? Please tell the nice people. Well, I mean, how are we sure if they're nice? Are they very nice? Are they the nicest people in the whole wide I world? Taking liberties here. They are listening to us, so they're they're pretty great as is. Anyway, before we get into that, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick. God knows why I'm on TikTok at Peter Melnick, but better. Also, you can find Eddie Wilson on social media. You can, and it's on Instagram at Eddie9193, and of course, Facebook, just look for the guy that with the sunglasses, that's the Eddie Wilson you want, or hopefully, you do. Man, I love that Devo song, the Eddie Wilson you want, just wonderful song. Oh, oh yeah, that, uh, I just don't have that red circular helmet, whatever. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, you can find us on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, five star if you're ever so inclined, broken ice cream machines, etc., etc., also, find us on all iOS and Android devices with the following apps. Tune in Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, even. Ooh. Yeah. That's a, that's an even number I think you left off at, so that's like seven. Cool. Well, oh, we no, also five. are on Patreon at patreon.com slash... The Marvelous. And for as little as $3 a month to as much as... <laughs> I'm sorry, you're breaking up there. I sure am. But... <laughs> For as little as that much, you get early access to episodes. You also get our undying love and gratitude. And then for $5, we get the bonus show. The Magic Decoder Ring. (laughs) It's possible. It's one of the little decoder rings you blow into and you're... Never had that. Oh, well. Oh, those are the best. But you get the uh, bonus shows. One is monthly and one is bi-monthly. Eddie, explain to the audience what the difference is between those two. A month? (laughs) Yes. You get Fantastic Voyage, where it is our monthly show where every single month we talk about Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's iconic, legendary, and even... Fantastic. Run of the Fantastic Four, all the way from 1961 to 1970, I believe. You do, do you? Yeah. It's okay. Anyway crossovers tie-ins what have you we're covering it all because let's be honest there's a lot of stuff with that run and we'll talk about whatever our little hearts desire even maybe maybe we'll talk about an episode of the radio show they did who knows only the shadow knows but that's not here nor there Mm. also we have our bi-monthly show where eddie wilson talks about things he's never read called you haven't read that correct you haven't read that where eddie wilson talks about comics He's never read, such as Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, 
And in honor of spooky season, we have... The Walking Dead and Marvel Zombies. I really got to give you my copy of The Walking Dead. I keep putting that off. Yes, you do. Also, Eddie, mm. how are you? Oh. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just wanted to do a, a lame segue. <clears throat> Under the collar? Ooh, below the collar even. Oh, below yeah. the collar.com slash. The Marvelists. And God willing, if you've made it this far, you are in fact. Dad joke immune. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you said immune. Maybe because it's over the phone as we do this recording process, but moon. I, I enjoy that. That's where Peter would like to be with his night of such moon. Exactly. Moon. The claw. Anyway. Eddie. Mm, Peter. I like how last week I tweeted, what if half, What if more than half of these episodes didn't suck? Well, guess what? This episode did not suck. I was pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed this episode. Maybe it was the robot noises. I don't know. But what was this episode called? What if Ultron won? Whereby Natasha Romanoff and Clint Barton seek to destroy killer robot Ultron following a cataclysmic event. I'll be completely honest. I saw the episode title. I'm like, eh, why not? And then I saw the description of, what if Black Widow and Hawkeye? And I'm like, ah, son of a bitch, this is going to suck. I was wrong. Really? You thought that by seeing those character names? To be completely honest, the Black Widow episode with the uh, the what if everyone died and uh, just any of the other times they've both teamed up on this series, I've not been pleased. I don't know. Like, there's just something about those characters in this show so to see this i again i was pleasantly surprised and, and i th- enjoyed what we got see and i thought we would have maybe had a little more info as to how different budapest was for those two in this version of budapest uh yeah uh well uh, of, the, uh aurora borealis mm-hmm. i don't know where i was going with this but yeah, I thought it was a uh, absolute hoot and a half, even. Well, my first surprise here was seeing Hawkeye with a robot arm, or without first, and then seeing that he had a robot arm. His, Did he explain why he had that? I don't recall. No, it's his right arm. It's his shooting arm. And, I mean, it, it makes sense because then, you know, in order to be able to combat Ultron, you have to have a robot to fight a robot. I suppose. And with this robot, he's got the really fast shooting arm. I love that about this version of the character. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that is very good. Um, so we get that initial opening salvo, and, and then the Watcher starts in by saying the uh, the end of the world began with one man's dream. And whoop, cue Tony Stark. And then he died. Well, you know, fast forward a lot. What do you say with this show, like, killing off Tony Stark? I, I ended up responding on the uh, Marvel Studios subreddit today in the discussion. I go, welcome back to everyone's favorite show, what if Tony Stark dies yet again? Oh, like, I, I think they got, like, a real kick out of Endgame, where you see him die, and his body is, you know, all the nuclear waste and everything makes his body melt to the Iron Man costume. Because, fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, that's probably what happened, and it's really sad. But we're not here for Sunshine and Roses. We're here for What If, and somehow moments like this, where I make things really awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a pleasant thing. It's just surprising. Like, could it also have been just like a little, you know, them playfully ribbing, well, RDJ couldn't do the show, so let's kill him again and again and again. Mm. 
I don't know. I don't know if that was quite the intention, actually, but it just goes back to, to, to that and, and how, well, if you really want to make a stretch, a tangent, or something like that, a comparison to say that, uh, you know, it started with Iron Man and that first film in the MCU in 2008 or whatever, and we're back to this again. It is rather funny that it all started with Iron Man, and Iron Man is partially responsible with Larry Lieber who is currently suing Marvel over uh, copyright stuff. Mm. Hooray. Isn't it fun? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word. That's a, that's a song, I think. Isn't it fun? Ain't it fun? Paramore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Anyway. But the Age of Ultron, I, yeah, is only the beginning. A lot of people out there really don't like Age of Ultron. Mm. And over the years, it's kind of been one of those movies where a lot of people, they initially disliked it, and they've kind of done a 180 on it. Myself, I've always liked Age of Ultron, and while it's not the perfect Avengers movie, it's still a blast. So to be able to see a further continuation of the Ultron character in this was great to see. I understood that blast reference, too. That was very funny. Thank you. Um, but with you know this movie and with this story itself, what did you think of the choice of utilizing Ultron and continuing him to be a big bad to the point where being the biggest bad. Absolutely the biggest bad. When you put Thanos and split him in two, sure, then there's no other better than, holy mama. What did you think about that scene? Yeah, well, I get, well, you see the pivotal point being that who gets control of the cradle is what, you know, determines now this reality, so to speak. And just... The cradle will rock. Yeah, it, it did. The other way. 180 degree difference. Um, but with, with the appearance of Thanos... Uh, coming through from another place, I suppose, portal, and seeing you know, he's got the other stones. Ultron apparently knows what to do right away. Just kill Thanos and, and take the stones on him. And he's, and he's got them all, and he just reorganizes his, his armor, his costume, if you will, and uh, now we've got a whole set of stones on the chest, the other five on the chest of Ultron. I enjoy how these stones continue to enhance these characters and make them look different than what they normally are. Mm. With this, with the uh, the Ultron Vision character, utilizing the stones, it's such a cool-looking visual. And I hope to one day see, like, maybe this, this would be the perfect build-a-figure for a Marvel Legends series. They already have that whole wave of uh, the Marvel Legends what-if, where, what's his name, uh... The, the bald baby with the uh, toga, you know, the Watcher. The Watcher. That character has a Build-A-Figure. Ultron would have made a great Build-A-Figure and then utilized maybe uh, little watch batteries you put inside and it has the light-up chest because that was the coolest thing to see. I could easily, as somebody who only hears about you talking about the Marvel Legends and all those figures and not really collecting those at all myself, I could easily see how this could transition into a marketability thing. Oh, 100%. Very toyetic is the term. Yes, yes, exactly. So to be able to see that is kind of cool. But what I liked overall with this episode was the action of it all and just seeing boom, boom, boom. It it had a very nice flow to it. Did you notice that? Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, you, you set him up, put him down as far as, you know, like we said, Age of Ultron, just the beginning, and he moves on to, to Asgard, the Sovereign, uh, Sakar, Ego, and then finally Xandar takes a little more time to fall with the help of Captain Marvel. 
And being able to see the action sequences in this, I got a very, um, I know you won't get the reference, but I got a very Dragon Ball Z kind of vibe to it, where it was very fast action in terms of the big battles, where every punch, every move has meaning to it, with the battle between the Watcher and Ultra Vision. There you go, Ultra Vision. I like that. Um, but we do, yeah, we do get into that as well because. For whatever reason, when there's no worlds left, Ultron becomes self-aware and somehow is able to perceive and actually see the Watcher, yeah. And, you know, in regards to all of this, the reincorporation of a classic character from the series of the main MCU, Arnim Zola. Arnim Zola was a character I did not expect to see in this one. No, no, not at all. And how uh, he became uh, a part of... You know, trying to to write this overall, you know. I would say the thing about a what-if series, as much as I've been very critical about it, the thing I do like the most is how they manage to pull characters out of the proverbial mothballs, where you see somebody that you haven't seen in a long time, but they make it worth the moment, you know? Yeah. You know, and it's funny, just going back to Xandar, I kind of had an inkling that if anybody could possibly go up against Ultravision, it would be Captain Marvel, so I wasn't disappointed. And then the little jab, the little line of, listen, Skynet, you know, the little Terminator reference, which was, I think, kind of cool. A hundred percent. And it, it makes sense to be able to see that with Captain Marvel in the show because of the fact of, what do you call it, Um, the... The 1990s element, where, you know, the very first thing you see her in in the 1990s is her crashing through a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. So videotape rentals of James Cameron's Terminator 2 Judgment Day would be there, you know? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I even thought of Captain Marvel 2 when Clint and Tasha got into the KGB archives and all those endless aisles and rows and stuff, aside from the Raiders of the Lost Ark reference, which was great, too. But I did think of of, uh, the other one as well with Captain Marvel. In the files. How so with Captain Marvel? Well, there was a scene there, well, especially with Nick Fury and the uh, pseudo, the scroll disguising as, um, and I forgot the character's name, but they were in a library of sorts and all the, you know, succeeding uh, aisles that the lights just showed up, yeah. you know, as motion sensor. That, that was the sense I got. Yeah, I got you. I got you on that. Mm-hmm. And also in regards to. The you know the relationship between Nat and uh, Nat and Hawkeye, I really enjoyed to be able to see a further elaboration on their relationship. Yeah, we didn't get Budapest, but we got some cool scenes involving the two, the snappy banter between them, and the voice actress who played the role of Black Widow did a phenomenal job. Yeah, and she definitely got the uh, Scarlett Johansson portrayal. However, my biggest grievance in this episode is they did not get James Spader to reprise the role mm. of Ultron. Because when I hear Ultron, I think of the effing Lizard King. I think of Robert California, James Spader from The Office. So to hear that voice, I'm like, come on. Like that, it, it did not have the same resonance or the same level of ominousness that Spader gave to the role. You know? well, I'm not familiar with your Lizard King reference, but I go back to a music reference of the Lizard King, and that would be Jim Morrison from The Doors. And with with that version of Ultron, 
Ultron with the James Spader voice is more of, you know, a wise, uh, what's the word? Weisenheimer kind of Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. Whereas this voice of Ultron didn't have that to me. I did not get that wise ass kind of feel. Yeah, so you're probably a little let down on that, I would think. Eh, not so much let down, but it's like, really? You're not going to go with, you know, a Weisenheimer kind of voice? Mm. But the other thing, well, too, we got was was Nat gets a shield. That was such a great visual. And I have to ask, is that the uh, the Red Guardian shield? I would imagine so. I mean, they're they're looking at the KGB files. They're they're over, you know, in that realm, or so to speak. And so I would say, sure. I got to tell you, by the way, I am looking forward to meeting David Harbour at the New York Funny Book Fair during uh, in at the Jacob K. Javits. Mm -hmm. I get to meet David Harbour, the Red Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a thumbs up for the audio podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's two I'm thumbs in. in. All right. Very good. Well, it's just one thumb. I don't know. Well, I do have two thumbs. But the what? But Peter but, is an idiot. <laughs> well, but then again, we almost get a. We almost. I thought we would really get some kind of intervention by the Watcher at this point. I love watching the Watcher try and do his damnedest to not interfere the entire time. Just those little bits of. He. I feel like he's one step away from literally grabbing Clint by the shoulders and just going. You idiot, just do it already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the files, yep. And that whole element, I, I also love the line of, uh, it was in my box, so clearly it means I found it. Yeah, exactly, right. Mm -hmm. That was just and typical of the banter that they would do, so it was true to form, I think. Agreed, agreed, 100%. And with this episode as well, what I liked was, again, the action. The action in this episode was so dynamic and out there and very much something that really caught my attention. Like, the animation for this, some people have been complaining about the animation of What If. I've been impartial for the most part. Like, there are episodes where I'm just like, eh, it looks okay. But watching the fight between Ultravision and... And The Watcher was one of the coolest things because it had that anime style of limited frame rate, but also just that dyna uh, dynamism to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not hypercritical on animation and style and technique and execution. So I'm not sure of the nature of the complaints or they're just, you know, haters going to hate or something. It, it, it's a, honestly a combination of both from a lot of fans. Like, it's just... At the end of the day, the storytelling is the most important part. Yes, the visuals are great or can be, you know, subpar. But if your storytelling is not up to snuff, then that's where the complaints really should lie. Yep. It's, it's, it's telling a story. That's what it is. It's telling a story. Yeah, and then again, another funny part, too, I, I took a note of was when, uh, with respect to getting Arnim Zola to help out, uh, threatening to just put liquid into his system, was like, oh, no, I'll be good. That's fine. I'm, uh, you know. Well, what I wanted to know with this series so far, something happens at the very end during the, you know, the whole one hit and like the background changes and everything goes around. You see them in Times Square and on one of the big TVs where the ball drops every year, you see Steve Rogers getting sworn in as president of yes. the United States. Yes, I didn't make note, but I saw that for sure. And that has been done in the comics before, Eddie. 
how many other what if have been referenced in this show that we did not realize? Well, like, yeah. at least at least that one, yes. I feel like there has been other what ifs referenced, though. You know, if but we went, I, you know, yeah, think it, off the top of my head right now of no, any others. I'm j- I was just thinking too with uh, the watcher falling through, crashing, whatever through different different worlds, realities. You'd have to probably slow it down by frame almost to see what the background is. What world could they have possibly fallen into? I, I believe Wakanda is at least one of those. And, you know, Asgard and I don't even know if Atlantis could have been another one uh, for well, all we know. But when you, I heard the line about a hunger, by the way. Yes. Who was the very first person you were thinking of? Because I know who you were thinking of. You know, the guy in the purple suit and a funny purple hat. Helmet. Exactly, the Purple Man, yes. yes. No, Galactus, mm-hmm. or the Grand Poopa of the uh, ro- the Royal Order of the Water Buffaloes. Absolutely. Um, being able to see that line get brought up, I'm like, they couldn't be doing that, could they? Yeah. Like, I feel like that is a subtle hint for the hardcores like our- ourselves who are sitting there going, Oh my God, you guys, <laughs> look, they're talking about Galactus. Possible, I suppose anything is. Eddie, did you react like that? Not even in my mind. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And also, one of the other things in regards to that, you know, you mentioned the idea of you know pausing and pausing and pausing during the fight sequence. What about when they were looking through the box and you see all the names on the folders? I kind of wanted to pause during that, but yeah, let's, let's, true, you know. That would have been good too. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Did you uh, did you almost get a sense of I guess during Endgame, with you know Natasha losing her life this time it happens to be Clint. With the other uh, Ultron it bots. Nice, it was a nice nod to the source material and you know what they're referencing of like, hey, what would happen if this like, this episode was a what if turducken, in oh. the sense of you got what if beyond what if shoved inside of an already big what if mm-hmm. isn't that a ramekin like said, thing what if captain america was president that was in there yeah so just i like s- i like that idea although i'd be remiss if we don't say what we usually say on these episodes what is a what if if it doesn't have a needless death of a character mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was a somber moment that clint you know but he went out fighting. He was tired of fighting, but he went out. He went down swinging. Yeah. And to be able to see the vision enveloped inside of the Ultron character, that is, when you see that, you're just like, oh, oh, no. We're screwed. Because that is, like, he's going down swinging, and you have to be brave to fight something like that. But if I saw that coming down the street, First off, it'd be like, why are fictional characters in the real world? And second of all, I would be like, holy shit, look at the size of that massive unit. I'm going to run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no no doubt that was an oh-no thing to me, for me as well. And, and the next one came when, you know, the Watchers said he was out of options. And here's... Johnny. The five o'clock shadow, dark-eyed, under-the-eyes, Stephen Strange. He always said... I don't know why I was expecting you to go dark-eyed Hawkeye, and I'm like, well, that's a, the eyes have it, Eddie. No. But I all like—is that the Doctor Strange, the villainous Doctor Strange from the episode that I was bored with? I 
would say so, yes. That's what we first yeah, saw. Yeah, watch that episode again. Yeah. No, you asked him, are you ready to renounce your oath? And he finally says, you know, I want you to say it. You're going to say it, you know? All right, I need your help. End. And again, I like, I did I not call it during one of the early episodes of the show that there's going to be an episode where it all ties in together? Or at least one, this episode to a previous one, yeah. Is, how many episodes do they say the series is going to have? Nine or ten? Well, I thought nine. So. so next is the finale, and did I hear a niner in there? I sure did. Mm-hmm. So for this being the, you know, we're one step away from the finale, I will say the lead-up to the finale for this one has been fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoyed this one, and again... Knocked it out of the park. Then maybe you episode nine that you can stop saying that these episodes don't do so well. Eh, probably not. Because knowing my luck, the next episode is going to suck, and I will be sad. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong with this stuff. I want to be like rewatching this and be like, "Golly gee, Willikers, this was a fantastic episode. I was wrong." Because there have been moments like that with some of these movies where I watch them and I'm like, "Wow, it was not as bad as I remembered." Mm-hmm. But then again, there have been moments like Iron Man 3 where I'm just like, golly gee, I love this movie. Wait a minute, i got to rewatch it. Oh, this movie sucks. So who knows? What if Peter Melnick wasn't such a critical bitch? What mm. if? Mm. But Eddie, I think that's going to wrap this episode up for this week. The shortest one running. Sh- shortest one running of this show and their show. Yeah, but I agree. We're going to be getting a second half of What If, I believe, in the next year. So there will be more What If. But I like how we're essentially eulogizing a show that hasn't ended yet. But I digress. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to tune in next week for our finale of season one, kind of, maybe? Who knows? For The Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Why not? Excelsior!